refreshing taste of a bush light. Oh, what? Time. What? I might be I might be a bush guy. I'll say it. Or lose your sponsorship. Yeah, what the hell? You just I've got these and I I don't know what it is, man. Sponsorship just, money's drying up. Something about a bush light that just it just hits different when you need it to. I heard that new Bush Light contract had an extra comma in it. That's why Miller Light couldn't keep up. Extra yep. comma, damn. Yep. Big money. Big money we're, in the, we're in the B's now. We're out of the M's. We're in the B's. Twenty twenty three web dot com podcast. Before we get started with the podcast today, which is certain to be a fun one, uh, I'd like to introduce my guests for the program. Uh, well, I guess I can't call you a guest, Caleb. You are kind <laughs> of a you've been a co-host for what, like seven years or something. Welcome to the guest spot, buddy. Uh, but the real guest spot is none other than the current king of web, the leader of a team that as of right now with four weeks to play is pacing slightly below best team ever, but he's doing pretty good. That's Papoose. I'm back. <laughs> uh, oh, no, you, you know it's... You know it's going to be a chaos pod when Papoose shows up. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have him back on. Uh, he tried to get on for me and Fraser's solo pod, but we nixed that. So <laughs> glad we can get him when we have an actual host who's been doing it for a while and can try and rein in Papoose. <laughs> no I feel like a game. matador out here, like waving the, waving the, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's week 10, everybody. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot, actually, because first and foremost, this is the trade deadline week. We are off the heels of week 10. By the time you are hearing this podcast, you will have roughly 36 hours until the trade deadline. And I have no idea what to expect this year. Uh, Really don't know if it's going to be a busy one or a quiet one. But what I can tell you is we did see two trades come in already. Uh, A little bit of a precursor to this year's deadline. Two bigger moves. And I want to get your thoughts on them. So let's start with a move that I think most of us could have expected from the Rebel Alliance. We mentioned that the Daniil Hunter trade was likely only the beginning of what was going to happen with the Rebel Alliance. And Very quickly after we did see him trade Chris Godwin, a player that he brought home, that he reunited with, and now shipped off to herb your enthusiasm for a second, a third, and a fourth. So, Caleb, what did you think about this trade? Um, I mean, obviously I made a meme about it. Um, we, we know Riley's current receiver situation, a lot of mid 
and you bring Chris Godwin in for what I think is a fair price. I mean, a 25 second, a third and a fourth, like that could almost be a good buy low for a guy who's still like 27, but you haven't really seen the flashes that we saw from years past. He had a serious injury uh, a year or two ago and just hasn't really put it together with Baker this season. So, you know, you think he's looking for a guy who's going to help his lineup, like like a firm guy with Higgins injured and other guys underperforming. You bring in Godwin, who like I like, but does it solve the issues or does it just make your start sits tougher? Is it a good buy low? It was, I don't hate the move. I think it's solid, but I don't know how much it clears up the picture with the way he's, uh, Godwin has been performing this season. Yeah. My, my first thoughts on this one was, I don't know if this team, if this player does anything for this team. Like there's you, like Caleb said, you have to do the start, the start sit stuff. And that just gets to be a mess. See, okay, I'm going to agree with both of you in different ways. I will agree with the fact that will this be a needle mover for Herbie Enthusiasm this season? Maybe not. Maybe that's not what he was even going for because I also agree with Caleb. thought this might have been a nice buy low situation. I'm going to say it. 27 years old, Chris Godwin, talented player, Wide receiver two in a Baker Mayfield offense, not coming with a ton of production, but we don't know what's going to happen there moving forward. He's got plenty of time to figure this thing out, and we're not that far removed from a player here who was, you know, once upon a time a top dynasty wide receiver, but at the very least in the last few years, a thousand plus yard wide receiver in the NFL certainly has the talent. And I think right now, Riley just choosing to add a player that he likes at a price that I thought was pretty reasonable. So I like the trade all around. I think Josh also, you know, obviously we know what this is. He's got to get draft capital back in the building. Don't know how many teams are eager to shell it out for Godwin right now. So I thought this was a decent haul for the player and rebuilding that pick covered as well. Yeah, the more I think about it, I think, yeah, it's, it's a good buy low because it's Riley's 25 second and this team is still pretty young and like finding its strides, you know, that's kind of a late 25 second most likely. And then Mike Evans possibly leaving in free agency, perhaps Godwin gets back into that wide receiver one role. Maybe they go and get a quarterback who's better than Baker. And all of a sudden, you know, Godwin's still just 28, 29, still has good years ahead of him. So I think it was a pretty low risk move for the future. Um, like I said, I don't know how much it helps him now, but I think the more I look into it, I think I, I like this for Riley. Yeah, t- touching on the Josh thing too. I like it a lot better for him. Getting, mm. getting wow. young guys in the building for a guy who has been okay for the last four years. And you get some fresh faces and some draft capital back. I mean, hold on That's a second. <laughs> we, we don't all have the luxury of having top five dynasty wide receivers out the wazoo. <laughs> Chris Godwin is more than okay. He's been a wide receiver too for like four years. Yeah, and that's okay. That's not okay. That's, that's, no, good. that's good. That's good. That's good. God, the mid, the mid joke was funny, but that Chris Godwin, I think, is still good. <laughs> You are, mm. we're good. not even 10 minutes in and I'm already pissed. Here we go. All right. 
Let's talk about the trade here. We got some unique perspectives on this one. We get an objective take, and then we can get a little bit of an under-the-hood look at a big trade that came in only yesterday. It was a move that the writing was perhaps on the wall. I did say on the web pod last week that one team in particular might be making offers for C.J. Stroud. I was, of course, talking about myself, and we got that trade done in about 10 minutes is a first-round pick, Collins, 2025 first, and a third-round pick going to the Insulin Pens in exchange for the rookie wonder, C.J. Stroud. So, Caleb, we have all been eagerly awaiting your analysis on this one. What would you think? I thought it was fair. I think this was an incredibly tough deal, I feel. Obviously, it was quick for you guys, but, like, I feel like it's tough to do because you know we don't you don't have the trade calculators ready for like super flex or standard like we're somewhere in the middle and web kind of creates its own value for these quarterbacks and we've seen it go really high we've seen Dak go for two first and maybe now that's still paying off and we've seen low with you know herbert kind of getting deal- dealt for left you saw uh kyler for aaron jones in a second so you're still kind of trying to find what a young good QB is worth. And I think this is about right. A 25 first plus a third, you know, there's still a little risk, you know, Strouds look unbelievable, but it's still his rookie year. Like, you know, he could go downhill a little bit. You don't know, but I thought it was a fair deal. Uh, Tim cashes in on the value really quickly. He turns a mid second into a 25 first and a third Um, makes up for that trade down maybe. And well, not completely, but um, yeah, I thought it was a fair deal, but I also thought it was kind of weird timing for you, Mingo, just cause Kyler's back. Like he's going to be the guy he gets his first start this week. And like, it wasn't a big fantasy week, but he still looked like the old Kyler. Like he was doing his little running around. Like he looked like Kyler. So I was kind of surprised to see you jump on Stroud so quickly, um, when he's kind of, you know, I don't know if he's at peak value, but, you know, it was a price to pay. So I was kind of surprised to see you make a move for for Stroud right now. But um, if you think he's the franchise guy and these other guys aren't, then I guess I can't fault you. All right. I'll go first, Papoose. Then you can give your take on this situation. So from my perspective, I agree with you. And that's actually the first text that I sent to Tim was... I think Kyler's the guy, but I still want to talk Stroud. For me, it's just a matter of turning a major weakness into a strength right now. And also the idea of we are going to add elite talents to the team and figure it out later. What has been the story with the moneymakers? It has been these players that you bring in, you think they're the foundation and then you go online and you have to endure (laughs) this like torture for years and years of these players. I needed a player that I could feel very confident was a potential superstar in the making. And that's what I think about Stroud. I loved the player coming out of school. He has vastly exceeded my expectations for him. And it seems like he's vastly exceeded what people thought he was to become. And for me, 
you mentioned this, Caleb, maybe a peak value move already nine games into a rookie year. In my eyes, it wasn't a peak value trade. I think getting in on this player right now, while there's teams in this league that need quarterbacks, that need young superstars, getting in now at a price that was fair, everybody wins in this trade, but also I see it as a trade that has upside for me in terms of Stroud continuing his development path, getting even more valuable. The name I kept coming back to was Joe Burrow. If we get to the Joe Burrow tier with C.J. Stroud, then I feel great about this trade. And if Kyler is the guy, that's great. It's a great problem to have. I have two star quarterbacks. I can trade one. I can keep both. It's something I'm going to worry about later. But I just I wanted this player on my team at a moment in time where I felt like he was obtainable. And so that's what I did. And I just I felt extremely comfortable just trading the guy because he's never going to start for me. Unless something happens with Jalen Hurts. He helps me make up for that absolute blunder of a draft night. And I'm going to need first soon. And if I have one just burning a hole on my bench when I have a guy like Sam Howell there anyway, who I got for free. Thanks, Calvin. Uh, then, I'll, then I'll get rid of him. And I, I agree. I think his value is just going to go up. However, I have the opportunity to get out of it now while there is, st- is something there. Something good there. And I can start kind of piecing together the future of the the pens with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great way to break it down. I'm just worried. Only thing if, if, if something goes sideways with Stroud, I'm worried for Mingo's mental health. <laughs> I, I would I, he might have to delete that Twitter account. If, if, this second half of the season starts to go downhill for some odd reason. If, if anything happens with Stroud from this point forward, I will know officially that I am cursed. There couldn't, <laughs> the vibes could not be better with Stroud right now. If it goes sideways now. Yeah, I'm, I'm cursed. I'll just hang <laughs> it up. Honestly. Thanks for bringing it up, Caleb. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. So that is just a taste of the trades that we've seen thus far. And, Like I said, I don't know what to expect, but I know that there are players out there, a lot of trade block hitting this week or today, teams positioning, saying, come get this guy. Be interested to see what happens in the next few days here. But let's talk about week 10 because that was a big factor in the shape of the league as we head into the last four weeks and approach the trade deadline because once again right after we thought we kind of knew what was going on here we really don't know anything that's what week 10 showed us it was a hell of a week so let's break it down we're gonna start didn't do a poll but i picked it game of the week insulin pens Herb, your enthusiasm, a team, the latter team that I mentioned, they're going to be playing in a lot of big games down the stretch because we are all still trying to figure out is Herb, your enthusiasm legit? Well, let me tell you something. He put up a pretty respectable total in this game against the pens, but the pens showed us why they are on a tier of their own in this season. There is no team right now that is even remotely close to the pens. And though we saw a little bit of a dip in week nine, you're right back at it again, 223.69 and another big win. 
What did you think about this one, Papoose? Oh, my Caleb. My defense being good this week. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, you're currently so the uh, number fine. four That's scoring okay. defense in the league. That's okay. Hey, you How know what? Sit with you? Were, those linebackers this week were great. Everybody was fine. You know who wasn't fine? You know who wasn't? Micah Parsons. That motherfucker put up no stats. Um, other than that, other than that, gentlemen, the week felt great. Uh, boys are back on the bus. They uh, figured their shit out after last week, and we're letting it rip. Yeah. Um, first of all, addressing the defense, you started a backup DB in Julian Love, and Kenny Moore, who you paid basically a second for, came back down to earth. So the DB room's still kind of a mess, but it's a good thing you traded for Ingram, Evan Ingram because he sat on your bench this week too. Hey. So Evan Ingram this week, 3.2 points. Uh, Taysom Hill, 3.3. I made the right pick this week. Good trade. Um, to your point about Julian Love, C.J. Stroud doesn't throw interceptions. And but Julian playing, Love is only oh, on the field And he was for... playing Cam Taylor Britt. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to not play the, the DB against the guy who doesn't throw You're going to play the guy who's starting 40% of the snaps instead. Yeah. Why not? Send it. <laughs> Yes. This, this is this is the team right now that's scoring 40 more points than everybody else. Just the so DB you know. room. The DB room is in my head. They are rent-free, guys. I'm struggling <laughs> over here, too. <laughs> well, the good news is the rest of the defense, I mean, 21 tackles out of row, Quan is crazy. You got 21 points out of Zaire, 17 out of Bobby Wagner. So the linebacker crew can carry you through any issues this defense has. And then on the offensive side, um, CD Lamb, is he officially in that Jefferson Chase tier? I mean, these last three weeks have been unbelievable. 12 receptions, 158, 11, 191, 11, 151, 14, 16, 14 targets. I mean, this is kind of what we've been waiting for with CD Lamb to have that sort of bust out bonafide number one and with Dak finally stepping up it looks like CD's finally there we literally did this last week mm -hmm. we literally did and we you have to do only, it three weeks in a row two weeks you're like ah three weeks yeah you're you're a wide receiver uh dynasty darling <laughs> and not only did we do the CD lamb appreciation moment we also talked about that trade the Jamar for CD trade and yeah. like at this point in time, that's got to be one of the craziest, like, win-win trades of all time. Like, both guys, like, they could have never made that trade. They'd basically be in the same position right now. Like, that's where we're at. I think CeeDee Lamb has seized hold of a spot here right in line with those players, like you said. I mean, A.J. Brown is the only one that would fight him for dynasty wide receiver three right now. It's obviously another really, really talented player, but yeah, the, what he's doing in the last three weeks is really special. And we also need to talk about the other top five, top, maybe top five, I guess that's maybe arguable top wide receiver on this team. I'm on Ross St. Brown, who, I mean, that is what powers this offense this week. The running backs were a little bit of a shit show. You get these top dynasty wide receivers firing on all cylinders. And suddenly it's like, 
man, this insulin pens team, we've talked about this before, but you really see it this week where this is not a short window team. This team is built around these superstars, these dynasty superstars that are young players with a really strong defense as well. This is a team that is going to be a problem for a while in web. And we saw why this week. Yeah. Uh, those to your, one of your last points there, those two guys being that good made me feel really good and more relaxed about the future of the pens. I thought I was going to have to do like a, a weird fire sale at some point to get stuff back and get it rolling. But these two are making me feel good that I only need to worry about running backs for a few years. Yeah. And on the topic of running backs, um, stinky Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard. <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on him? He finally gets the reins to the Cowboys offense. The the offense is clicking on all cylinders, but Tony Pollard still can't figure it out. And when you look at this roster in the running back position, Jamal Williams hasn't really been doing anything. Damian Pierce is hurt, but he hasn't been doing much. Gus the Bus is scoring touchdowns, but there's not a lot to love. So kind of, you know, is this something maybe you look at before the trade deadline or what's your plan in the running back room? I've been actually shopping already but it's i want to keep my first so at the end of the day i'll ride out this year with the running backs i have and not have to give up the first because i inquired on two running backs specifically and it was a first couple seconds and i just didn't want to do it so there's a couple running backs that you could inquire about right now that aren't worth a first um i can give you that team's number we could even do the trade right now if you oh, wanted to. A live trade would be fun. What are you thinking? <laughs> well, you already had your chance to trade for Kareem Hunt, and Caleb oh. talked you out of that one. Yeah, that's the, oh, that's vile. That's like trading for Zeke again. But all right, we'll we'll talk after the pod. <laughs> There's conversations to be had. Right, There's right, running right. backs to be had right now in Web. Just saying, but hell yeah. All right, let's talk about Herb your enthusiasm because. Like I said, this was a good week, but not a week in which he can compete with the king of web right now. But what it does do is inspires a bit of confidence still in this team who right now uh, is sitting at six and four and is fourth in war plus right now. I mean, this has been a little bit of a story in the last several weeks, Herbert enthusiasm, getting himself into this position where he is a top five team in terms of the metrics just needs to hang on in this pack five schedule. Uh, this week though, there's one thing that I think we need to talk about and it's TJ Hawkinson. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I've never seen anybody going through it quite as much as I Riley was going through it with Hawkinson this week. May I, I, may I lead with a question here on this one? Sure. Is Hawkinson the kind of player that if he's healthy, you play him no matter what. Yeah, he is, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing? What the fuck are we doing, Riley? Um, yeah, it's <laughs> I was shocked because like I was watching Hawkinson go off and I'm like, I keep checking over on Herb your enthusiasm projections. I'm like, oh, I thought it would be higher. And I check again, he makes me more plays like, wow, why is this not really moving up? And then I look at the lineup and it's David and Joku who I don't know if he started a game yet for this team. This is the number. I don't know what it was before the week, but the number one scoring fantasy tight end right now. And 
I guess there were reports he showed about, you know, being used in key moments and stuff. But even Hawkinson in a limited role, I'm taking over David and Joku. Um, and I don't know. It was just a very, I understand you try to go, I feel like you're playing the pens. You got to go for it. Like I wouldn't take the safe play in Njoku, like always oh, playing the snaps. Like you got to play your guys against the pens and to bench Hawkinson because of one of those reports, like it's tough, but I think you gotta, you gotta ride them. <laughs> I was, Here, I was insulted. Well, okay. Hold on a second, because first and foremost, Hawkinson would not have been the difference in this game. So Riley does not need to feel as though he lost this game because of that decision, because that's just not true. However, I will say, I do think this has been a common theme all season. I feel like a lot of teams have been overthinking lineup decisions this year. We have seen this happening, and not this is not just Herbier enthusiasm. This is across the league. I've Guilty. we've seen a a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of teams that are like playing the the you know forty chess with the lineup stuff, and we, we've seen it backfire a lot. So I mean, this is kind of a lesson I think where you know whatever Ed Werder is saying, like fuck Ed Werder. <laughs> Just put him in the lineup. This is a superstar talent that you made the trade for. Get him in your lineup. I mean, I know he traded for Njoku too, but it's just, you know, it's it, like you said, Caleb. If he's healthy, he's playing. That's where I'm at. There is one starts at decision he did a great job on, and it's Josh Allen hits the bench this week. 4.25 points. I, I laid out the framework the other week. You have to play him every other week. <laughs> he came off 19 last time against the Steelers. You put him on the bench against the 49ers, now you fire him back up against the Titans. So at least there was a decent start sit there. I, I do want to say this as well. While we're, I mean, we're talking about everything right now. The offense is what I'm going back to. 113 this week. This was a question with this team. We talked about the splits, the defense, the offense splits with Herbie Enthusiasm. And even though T Higgins is now again out of the lineup, we see another week here. And and this was without Hawkinson even. Yeah. 113 on offense. This is the second week in the last three that he's been over 110 on the offense. He's slowly raising that average. We're still eighth rank, but we're seeing some life out of these guys. I think things are coming together for him at the right time. He's getting into the stretch run. I mean, we're going to talk about this throughout the episode and, and eventually later as well. This is going to be a playoff race like we've never seen in web for the last several years. Like this, there are so many teams right now that are fighting for a playoff spot with four weeks to play. This is one of them. And man, it's just crazy to see a team like Herbert enthusiasm and the dynasty team and the other side, these expansion teams, they're both right there, man. Three and four in War Plus. They're fighting for playoff teams. It's a cool moment. Let's appreciate it. They're they're doing great, and maybe we'll see them both in the postseason. Also, good to see for this team, running backs, Kenneth Walker bouncing back, and Javante Williams. Looks like he's pretty much back. Another 20-plus carry performance, had 19 points. Uh, the Broncos are starting to trend in the right direction. So 
Now you feel comfortable rolling out uh, Walker, Javante, Aaron Jones, and then, you know, Justin Herbert's been amazing. Hawkinson's been great. The receiving core is still kind of lacking, but when you have those pieces clicking on all cylinders and a really good defense, he might not need elite wide receiver play. He might be able to ride out these mid-receivers, and if they finally turn it around in the second half of the season, all of a sudden he's really dangerous. Yeah, that playoff race is definitely going to be scrappy with him. Can I say I love coming on here? You guys are like two scientists. I'm just a fucking caveman begging rocks in the corner. <laughs> this is great. This is so it's, nice. It's literally the <laughs> dynamic we need. It's perfect. But um, All right. Let's talk about the story of the week. The men of mystery and the pirate crew. The only thing I have to say about the men of mystery is what the fuck? <laughs> this what this, the fuck? <laughs> this is incredible. This, it's one of the most shocking results you'll ever see in web and it shows truly any given Sunday anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry. Hold on a second. The men of mystery. Let's talk about what happened this week before I turn it turn it over to the caveman. Two oh two point four six. This was a two hundred point game from a team that was pacing to be the worst ever. He raised his war plus with this game to negative eight point four nine. He is like well off of worst team ever right now because of this performance. The offense did something that I didn't even know it had in it, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. 111.96 on the offense. That is the first game of this season that he has scored above 90 on the offense, and he scored over 110. Where does this, how does this happen? It was it was so cool as a former worst team in history owner <laughs> or current I should say uh, watch a team do that because it is probably such is it would be such a mix of emotions of like holy fuck like this is awesome and you're like well wait like I should be losing this game this should be be moving me in the direction I want to go so you're kind of torn both ways but at the end of the day it's it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I was thinking the dynamic, like everyone in this league wanted Parker to win this game, except Dan and Parker, <laughs> who were playing each other. <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. And I had just, I feel like he deserves a shout out for everyone that scored 10 plus points. Because every week we come on here, like, what are we going to talk about the men of mystery? There's rarely anything. But this week, Geno Smith, 28. Jalen Warren, 18. Chris Olave, 19. Odell Beckham, 10.5. Turn back the clock. Michael Mayer mossed a guy to 10 points. Keaton Mitchell is new Devin Achan. Harold Landry turns back the clock, 16 points. Jermaine Pratt, steady presence, 10. Benjamin St. Juiced off the waivers into the lineup for 11. Tony Adams as well for 10. Alohi Gilman, 10.25. And Robert Spillane, 20.25, had a sack and a pick in Sunday Night Football to cap off an unbelievable week for the men of mystery. This, this guy's going to have this this podcast bookmark for like three years. 
<laughs> it's like the happiest day. He's just gonna be rewinding like every minute of this that pod, just like, oh yeah, hello he Gelman. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just it's funny because like what I mean, yes, he obviously there's a prize at the end of this tunnel that he is trying to get to, but you just have to stop and appreciate sometimes the moments along the way, because this was coming from players that he is excited about. I mean, Chris Olave has been kind of down bad this year. There's been some negative vibes, not necessarily about his ability as a player, but just about the situation and what's been going on. Then you see this game with those moments like Jameis coming in. And <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> It was just a week of those sorts of things. And every now and then you just kind of have to stop and say, you know what, we're going to relish this moment. We're going to take this big win, a big, you know, a big moment in this rebuild, uh, something we're going to remember forever. And the player that I want to talk to you guys about is Keaton Mitchell, because I mean, he's picked up a lot of running backs on the wire during the last year and a half guys that you don't expect to be long-term pieces. Is there anything in your eyes that's different about Keaton Mitchell? Can he consider Keaton Mitchell a win? Can he keep him on this roster, try to build around him? What do you think? I think it's too early to tell, but of all the running backs he's picked up, nobody has looked as good as Keaton Mitchell I mean, just absolutely electrifying in the open field, just juice that some of these other guys don't have. I shouldn't even say that. Jalen Warren's looked really good. Now the Steelers have figured out their offensive line. Like, he's been playing really well, too. But, yeah, this is a guy, you know, he could try to sell or something, like, for a crazy price. But I think this is one of those you got to hold and hope because, I mean, this team loves to run the football, feed the hot hand, and – um, if, if Keaton can stay healthy, you know, he's a smaller running back that will get brought up, but you know, he was hurt coming in this past week, but still three carries for 34 yards. I mean, just get him the ball and see what happens. So this could be the start of something and maybe another bright spot we can talk about each week when it maybe comes back down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just too early, but it's just fun having a guy like this on your team who is just, you don't know what he is. Because and he was free. <laughs> Right, he's yep. free. Like you can just let him ride out, not even sweat it, because you know no one's going to give anything crazy for you. So just see what he is for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I came on yesterday and said, on, on Camp Dynasty, and said, if you get offered a third for Keaton Mitchell, sell him. Wow. In Web, it's just different, man. <laughs> it's just the Web defies logic. It's like. Hang on to this guy because you're entrenched in this rebuild. This is a bright spot. He's a very fun running back. Very fun brand of running back football is what Keaton Mitchell plays. And I'm I'm happy to see him doing this at the NFL level. He's a fun player. He's been a fun player and UDFA and all that. But he's showing why sometimes it doesn't matter as much as the talent. But on the other side of this game is the pirate crew and as exciting as a moment as this is for Parker, it's devastating for the pirate crew. I mean, he is confronting a reality right now that I don't think he was prepared for. I don't know that the league was prepared for, and I'm not even going to sit here and say 
that it is representative of what we should expect in the last four weeks of the season. But the fact of the matter is that this was his lowest score since 2019. Jeez. I mean, that's where we are. That's where we are with the week like this. You don't see this from the pirate crew ever. So are we panicking? Mm, probably not. That's I the mean, wrong answer, Caleb. Sorry. I'll, I'll give it to you. All right. I think I I think he feels that impending doom. Like it's there. Like it it came up on him quick. That shit's gonna get real real quick. Um, is one thing is is he still has draft picks. So if he wanted to make something happen, he could. Um, but he's definitely gonna have to do some thinking either this season or in the off season about what direction he wants to to send it. Yeah, it's interesting because we haven't really got any inkling that he's a buyer right now. He, you know, he was try he sold Aziz Al Shair. Uh, he was trying to maybe sell Quentin Johnston. So, does this team feel like it's maybe a move away from you know reaffirming itself? But when I mean, you look at past few weeks, one eighty six the week before, two twelve before that, two seventeen, one ninety nine. I mean, he's been a model of consistency and being really good all season. So. This kind of feels like a blip on the radar. No Mahomes has Derek Carr go for five points and then get hurt. Uh, no Tyreek. Like, there was a lot of things going against him this week. Um, bad performances out of Derek Henry. Jahan Dotson, we think he might finally be breaking out after his his uh, nice couple weeks, and he goes up and puts a goose egg in the lineup. So just some stuff you wouldn't really expect from this team, and I – I think he rationalized it well on Twitter the other night. I think he said it's going to be okay. We're still a number two scoring team where we got a points advantage over uh, these teams we're tied with or right in it. So uh, as much as I would like to say hit the panic button, I'm not ready to push it. <laughs> God damn it. Why do you use logic? You're supposed to be fun. <laughs> well, okay. Here, here's Here's my counterpoint. You can be the second scoring team. You can own those tiebreakers. But, man, I got to tell you something. You just lost three games in a row. Okay, that's the sure. reality. It's all about wins and losses in web. And I'm not I'm not going to say, you know, panic. You're, you're in danger of missing the playoffs. But I think we're going to talk about some big five teams in a little bit. One in particular that is looking very threatening to the Pirate crew right now. And... At six and four, the last four weeks have become much more tense than he was expecting after that five and one start in the pack five. I mean, he thought we we all thought he was going to cruise through the big five. It was going to be a piece of cake. He's going to walk into, you know, 12 wins this year. Now, suddenly you just lost three games in a row in the big five. And one of one of which was to the men of mystery. So. He's going to have a little bit of his work cut out for him down the stretch here, trying to, you know, get himself to at least maybe, you know, winning the big five. I think that's now a, a situation that is certainly not locked up for him at this point. Um, I do want to talk. <laughs> this is so stupid. I want to talk about a player because I knew this was going to happen. And part of me was like, when I did this, I was like, we can talk about this. And by God, it fucking happened. Cam Bynum. All right. Let me talk to you for one second about Cam Bynum. This is a player that we did not shout out. He was in one of my show notes one week. Didn't get to him. 
he was having a phenomenal season in the DB spot, like weirdly consistent, weirdly dominant, (laughs) right? So we talk about this elite pirate crew defense. I mean, this was a part of it. It was definitely a part of it. It's a miss on our part, not to mention this. He's literally putting up linebacker numbers for the first eight weeks. (laughs) Yes. How did we miss that? There, there's several IDPs this year that I don't think have gotten enough run on the pot, and that's my fault. But Cam Bynum is a player that I did recognize at one point down the stretch. What I also did was pick him up in the guillotine <laughs> league. Oh. When do you think I picked him up, Caleb? <laughs> Let's see. So he stopped producing after week eight, so I'm thinking probably after <laughs> week eight. <laughs> I picked him up. After week eight, and I said to myself, this is going to go one of two ways. You're either going to get a superstar DB in the guillotine league, or you're going to jinx Dan, and this player is going to start to suck. Win, win. And it's exactly what happened. So I am sorry, Dan, for doing this to you, but I had to do it. I can only imagine what those guillotine totals would look like with what he was doing in web scoring. Jesus Christ. Oh, they're gross. They're gross. I picked them up. I started them over Cam Curl. But... Now we're, this is what's happening. So it's my fault. I'll take, I'll take the blame for it. Um, the last thing I want to talk about though, is a, a positive here. Maybe a positive Quentin Johnston ah. first touchdown. Shout him out. Yeah. He wasn't covered on the play, but he caught it. So I'm not, I'm also not going to talk about that pass that he dropped. That probably would have been another touchdown for like 70 yards. That one I'm not going to talk about on the web podcast. I'm not going to even reference it at all in any capacity. I'm just going to talk about his touchdown that he did score. That is very high of you, very taking the high road. Yeah. Well, Thank well you. good man, good man. I I do have one player we need to talk about. Oh, God. DK Metcalf. <laughs> now... <laughs> I, this morning, looking through teams, maybe trying to get a younger receiver who's maybe, you know, maybe not quite performing up to what we expect. I go, I send a Dan a text, like, any chance I could pry DK Metcalf from your hands? And I get a respectfully go fuck yourself from him. <laughs> now, I thought this was, like, in conjuncture with me. Like, I was tweeting, like, we got to believe, men of mystery. Like, he wasn't happy that I was rooting for the Parker, but... He tweets out that it's because I trashed DK on the pod and I'm trying to remember, like, I don't think we've really talked about DK this year. I don't think I've trashed him. The only time he was brought up was when Colin asked the question and I pled the fifth because I knew DK still had, you know, that juice. He could go off any week and I, and I had been on a streak of jinx, jinxing. So I didn't say anything. I pled the fifth. All of a sudden that's trashing. And that gets to go fuck yourself for trying to acquire him. So let's take a look at DK Metcalf. Year two is when he broke out, finished wide receiver six and half PPR, was the dynasty darling, face of this franchise. Everybody wants him. Year three, wide receiver 11, half PPR, you know, down a little bit, but still it's DK. We love him. He's young. He's fast. Next year, wide receiver 18. Granted, he hasn't missed any games in the stretch, so it's been another year of regression. You know, you don't quite see what we had in years prior. Geno has this amazing year, and DK isn't quite living up to it, but, you know, he's still young. 2023, 
wide receiver 37 at the moment. This is the face of the franchise. And it's supposed to be this dynasty darling. And he's completely fallen from that grace. He's not even performing as a wide receiver two right now. And it's a tough look. I, I don't know. I think he's turned into a glorified Gabe Davis at this point. Basically just costs more to acquire. But why would you pay for it right now? So, yeah, that's what I think of DK Metcalf. I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> Glorified Gabe Davis has got to be one of the most insulting things I've ever heard on this podcast. I'm totally here for it. That probably deserves a go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was some right. Paul, man. We're going <laughs> to, I have a feeling we're going to hear from the man himself after this pod and I'm ready for it. Caleb, I hope you're ready for it. <laughs> um, but all right, let's move on. Let's talk about the team that scored more points than any other team this week. Sakil pros against the rebel Alliance. The Keel pros have to be one of the weirdest teams that I've ever seen. I feel like this has been a common theme for you, Kayla, but this year in particular, a year where we're ready to count you out, we're ready to be like, maybe this is going to be a real retool year. You fight your way to six and three, even though you know, at that time we talked about, oh, you're seventh and war plus. Now, all of a sudden here, we get this one week, two 57.43. That is not just a week high. That is a franchise record in points. Wow. And it is one of the highest totals in the history of web. Yeah, this was an unbelievable week. It was one of those weeks where pretty much nothing went wrong and everything went amazing outside of Josh Allen Monday night. But Across the board, like you said, it's the best performance my team's ever had. And it comes in a season where there were question marks, you know, retooling, coming off a championship, you know, just give me a chip in a chair, try to make the playoffs. And now we're the number two seed in the league and we're in a driver's seat for a playoff spot. So, I mean, everyone contributed this week. Keenan Allen, 35. We get the Devontae Debo Keenan lineup for the first time. They all do well. Uh, Dalton Kincaid continues to produce the running backs, which have been my Achilles heel all year. All of a sudden are starting to figure it out. Rashad white with 16 Najee with 17. Brian Robinson had 24 on the bench. Uh, they are currently Brian Robinson is currently running back four in scoring. And Rashad white is currently running back 11 in scoring, which is shocking i mean obviously it's just they've been available helps they haven't been missing games but all of a sudden the running back room is looking good the wide receiver room is a little older but they're producing great the tight ends are figuring it out and the defense uh it's a second half defense and it always is across the board nick bosa has his best game of the season i think chase young helped out there foil luacon the iron man i mean if he can't win depoy this year i don't it's never gonna happen i mean he's been you want to hear what my note is you want to hear what my note is for foy yeah make the fucking plaque it's, make the fucking plaque 
it just there hasn't been enough respect on him. But the, I mean, these twenty five points this week with two sacks, seventeen the week before the forced fumble, a pick six and fourteen. Like it's been. He is the defense. He's the face of the defense. And then even the DBs all over 10 points. And Nate Landman gets his first start for the for the pros and scores 23. Who the so. hell is this? Who is Nate Landman? He is Troy Anderson went down. He took his spot. And I thought it was going to be Kay Nellis' team, but now it's Nate Landman's team. So actually they're both producing. So I yeah, wanted Land- to puke when I saw somebody named La- Nate Landman. In your lineup, scoring 25 <laughs> points. It's something the Keel Pros are good for once a year. I know Tim went through it with probably Caden Ellis. You know, Monty Rice played his part. We love those spot start guys. But, uh, yeah, just an unbelievable week. And hopefully we can carry it going forward. It's, it's got to feel great seeing the, the ageless wonder that is Keenan Allen just pop up for 35 points out of blue after we all in web pretty much wrote this guy off two years ago as being old for some reason. That's number three scoring, number three scoring receiver at 31. Ah, that's <laughs> Keep those that's receivers scary. around. Hey, I'm telling you this right now, what we're learning this year, if you're a separator, if that's your brand of receiver, keep them. Why these guys are not losing it anytime soon. Like, I mean, even guys like Mike Evans, these players were getting passed around, sold, you know, sold high three years ago, yeah. and now they're still elite players. I mean, like wide receivers are not running backs. I think I forget that a lot, and I think a lot of other teams do as well. These players have been lasting longer than you expect them to, and Keenan Allen is the prime example of that. Big reason why the offense this week scores one thirty one. Point four eight, even with the down Josh Allen week, Caleb, like you said, I mean, that is a massive total, especially when your quarterback's only putting up 14 and the defense just to bring this full circle, 125.95. That is the fourth highest of all time on the defense. So massive week all around both sides. Going to get that defensive record back from Dan. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I was looking at the record books today. I mean, seeing the Keel pros up there with it's the the defensive record for a single game right now is Dan, Caleb, Dan, Caleb, Dan. <laughs> the top five. <laughs> just... Oh, man. All right. Other side of this game, Rebel Alliance uh, in the wake of a the embracing a rebuild. We expect that the last five weeks are going to look a little bit different than the first few. Uh, well, this was the first week low for the Rebel Alliance since week 10 of 2021. Yeah, this was disappointing. I mean, he wove the white flag last week with the trades, and I know he felt kind of, you know, you don't want to say happy for a bad performance, but seeing what this team did week following, you know, selling guys who probably wouldn't have made, they wouldn't have made a difference in this matchup. I think you sleep a little better at night knowing you made the right decision, that it was time to start selling. And now the question is, 
how far do you go? We talked about it again last week, but you still got guys like Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk, who are performing, Isaiah Pacheco, DeAndre Swift are on the block. How far does he go? Will he do a Max Crosby? I mean, that's what's going to come down to this week is going to be really interesting to monitor if he goes full fire sale or if we kind of just like some of these pieces and sees what next year has to hold. Yeah, I think this this week after starting the sale is probably when you may have started feeling the relief of, you know what, I don't have to stress out anymore. What the hell am I going to do? I have a direction with the team. We're going to kind of reassess things and maybe he makes a splash this week. Maybe he does and maybe he just rides what he has and uh, is happy with it. Uh, it's. I mean, that's the thing about embracing this situation now. It, it, it gives him limited time in terms of this season. Like he now has to make decisions of, can I get these guys off the roster in 36 hours? Or am I going to drag this into the off season when the value might be lower? Because right now, I mean, I don't know what Tim was referring to earlier when we were talking about running backs, but I can take an educated guess. And I think Deandre Swift and Pacheco who are, you know, good running back talents to have this year. I think the teams that are willing to pay for those talents might not be there right now. And that was the conversation that we had last week, Caleb, which was you want to sell who's the buyer, who's the team that's coming in and saying, I'm going to give you what you want for these players right now. So this might be something that lingers into the off season as teams like recalibrate after this season, see what ends up happening here. But um, yeah, I, I would expect him to be busy over the next couple of days here, trying to figure out what he's going to be doing and trying to understand what the value is. Who's the, who are the buyers for these players on his roster? Um, and I guess that was my next question. We could play a little game if you wanted to. A little game called Running Back Matchmaker. Who are the teams, Caleb? Match them up. Who's the teams? What's the price? What are we doing? Yeah, you know, it's great you did that because I was trying to look around who are the teams that are looking for running backs. So obviously Dave is fine. Um, I am feeling fine now with how every the running backs are starting to put it together this year. I don't think I'm in the market for them right now. Andy Reid's insulin pens, we already mentioned it, definitely a suitor. I could see him maybe going for a DeAndre Swift. Riley, maybe, with, you know, Kenneth Walker and Javante Williams are starting to turn it on. Aaron Jones still there. Like, he might not have to either. Uh, Calvin, he's fine for sure. Collins got Bree Tien, and then it's pretty much just Dan, who could make a move. I mean, he's got Henry and Mixon, who've been doing solid, and Jerome Ford, who's been filling in servicely for Nick Chubb. So maybe he tries to make a move there, but I think Tim is probably the main guy I would be looking at. Um, and that's, that's, I don't know, that's kind of that's kind of how it plays out. <laughs> Here, yeah, here's, I, I, just, I think Dan and I are probably the only real dance partners, and I, I'm still not sure if I want to and does does Dan do it maybe he's got balls he does things well here's what I'll say 
he is on record already of saying he's not investing more into the team. Like, unless he is truly panicked in this last three weeks with the three-game losing streak, unless something has philosophically changed, he went into this year thinking we're going to give it hell with what we have and we're not going to invest too much more into what's going on right now. In my mind, all those teams that you just said, Caleb, none of them are giving up a first for either of these players. Yeah. Not not a single one of those teams is giving up a first for either of these running backs. So that puts him in a difficult position where if he's trying to get a first market value for an in-season running back trade and those teams aren't paying, does he decrease his price or does he wait and hope that he can get buyers later with running backs that are now, you know, kind of question marks a little bit. So it, it is a very hard position to be in. I will say that. I don't envy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. But he he's a maestro. He's a champ. He knows how to do this. He'll figure it out. I know he will. And also, before we move on, I just need to shout out the fact that Jameson Williams had an excellent block this week. <laughs> First of his career. First of his career. And you know Dan Campbell's going to love that. So let's turn a block into some targets maybe. You never know. Season Snowball. high season high snap percentage, 52. Yeah. We're on the up and up, man. Just saying. He's he's blocking. He wants he knows what's at stake here. All right. Let's talk about the milkers and the juicers. The milkers are the team that I referenced earlier when we were talking about the pirate crew, because I don't think people realize maybe, or maybe they do, but this is the best team in web in the last three weeks. In the, in the last three weeks, this is the best team in web. He is averaging no idea how quickly I snapped my head up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, li- you had me in the first half. Not gonna <laughs> lie. Not gonna lie. <laughs> two hundred and eleven like, points. Two hundred and eleven points in the last three weeks. That is number one in web during that stretch, over including the insulin pens. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. I don't know what happened. I mean, Dak is going absolute nuclear bomb right now. Is kind of what's happening, but. This team is overcoming what seemed like a dead season when Jefferson went out and he has turned it into a special season in which he is now atop the big five. It's it's unreal what this team is doing without Justin Jefferson. That's like that's crazy. <laughs> like this is this is coming from me. Probably the scariest team in web with its just ability to keep up with me on any day. And he's doing that without Jefferson. Like it's, it's absurd. Three straight 200 point weeks without his best player. Nuts. It's yeah. And I think it's, it's a lot to do with Dak. I mean, this guy, we kind of ridiculed him a little bit to start the year. I mean, you look at his point tells to start the year, six, 23, 15, 16, three. Like, that's bad. Like, the report cards, he got down to an F at one point. 
Now he's rattled out 26, 36, 34, 44. These are nuclear bomb games. Now you have JT getting healthy. You got Jacobs getting more carries. You got Ramondre Stevenson playing better. Amari Cooper is consistent. Kittle is on a hot streak. He scores 19 this week. This offense is turning into what we thought it was, even without Jefferson. And the defense, even. Right now, he's the number five scoring defense, which is pretty respectable for Calvin. He's never really been known for having a great defense, but TJ Watt, TJ Edwards, Fred Warner's been unreal. He gets 15 out of Justin Simmons. Like the defense is is solid and the offense is incredible right now. So if you add Justin Jefferson into the equation, all of a sudden you've got a really, really dangerous team and a title contender that we expected at the beginning of the year. Yeah. For the first seven weeks of this season, he was averaging 89 points on offense. The last three weeks with no Justin Jefferson, he is averaging 122 points on offense per game. Let's assume that Dak comes back down to earth a little bit. Well, Justin Jefferson's coming into the lineup real soon. So suddenly here, this is a team that has been consistently good on defense all year. This week, another 100-point game, third 100-plus-point game from the defense this year for the milkers. That is not something anybody would have expected coming into this year. And now you also have the offense looking like you said, Caleb, like the team that we expected to see. And he's got his, his MVP, his superstar coming back here just in time. So this has gotten really scary. If I was the pirate crew, I'd be very scared of what's going on with the milkers in terms of winning the big five staying out of the wild card game because that is where we're at. He's seven and three His best players coming back. He's in position. He controls his own destiny to win the big five right now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, even with, you know, having to start Curtis Samuel with a 1.6 Dobbs gets a touchdown. Like, man, if you plug 20 points a week from Jefferson into this, like, the big five is starting to get really interesting with, you know, Calvin has ripped off now, what, three straight wins, and and Dan's lost three straight games. So you've got teams trending in different directions and a, another team in the big five that's on a bit of a streak of their own. We'll talk about them soon. Before we get there, let's talk about the Juicers, who are another team in the big five that is interesting. This is not a team that is factoring in to the playoff race necessarily, but it's a team that is going to cause problems for big five teams, I think, because we kind of wrote off the week nine performance, the 110 week low as kind of a perfect storm of bad. Like this is not going to happen every week. This week, we get back up. It wasn't a great week, but he's back up to 160 this week. Uh, And the story with the juicers right now, man, is Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he is arriving. David Montgomery comes back, has a great game, and Gibbs still gets the goal line work, has a 20-plus point game. I mean, he got himself a real superstar here in Jameer Gibbs. 
Yeah, to see Montgomery come back, him still this, and Gibbs, Gibbs getting goal line carries is huge. Um, 24 points this week. He had 27 last week, 23 the week before. So this is a locked and loaded guy for this lineup. James Cook, I would say at his best game as a pro, also his weirdest, like, <laughs> fumble, gets in the doghouse, comes back in, runs with his hair on fire, fumble falls into his lap, but he still does a big play. Like, But we saw, I feel like we saw flashes out of James Cook that we haven't seen this season. So hopefully that's another building block. And then you still got Devin A-Chain waiting in the wings to come back. Like, if Gibbs can keep this up, if Cooks can, Cook can start to get a little more consistent, this is one of the most fun running back rooms in the league. And then you pair it up with a receiver room with Garrett Wilson, Brandon Ayuk, JSN, Jalen Waddell. Like, this offense is starting to put it together. And then, again, you know, on the flip side, the defense is its back to where it was with Caleb Schmitz. I mean, uh, <laughs> 57 this week, 49 the week before. We thought Tim Tebow figured it out, but it would appear not. So it's tough. At some point, he's got to figure it out, but it's still an Achilles heel for this team. Last scoring defense in the league. I think one of the things that's going to kind of haunt this team a lot, too, is as you start seeing some of these younger offensive pieces come together and come into your own, and then you're going to be reminded that your potential 104, 105 is now a 112. I, okay. Yes, obviously, that sucks. I will say, though, this last draft class, 2023, it did wonders for this team. It, like it, it did wonders. For this the the Bijan trade is going to be one of the most interesting things to dis- dissect as we go through the web time. <laughs> yes, it oh, will. For sure. It was heavily criticized and it's not, I'm not saying that it one side w- wins or loses at this point. What I'm saying is we see what Gibbs is doing. We saw what a Chan is doing. A chance coming back. This team going into 2024 is going to be a trendy pick and it's not going to be the like Carter trendy pick thing. It's going to be like legitimately this team is ready. And I think this season was kind of a perfect, you know, storm of we needed to get Gibbs up to speed. Then a Chan got hurt. Then he dealt with some other injuries. The defense is still figuring it out. Still got JSN who hasn't really put it together yes, yet. That is, and that is a completely lost part of this team too. That no, we don't even talk about. We don't think about JSN is on this team as well. This is a really fun team. And that's why I'm saying I'm looking at the last few weeks here. If a Chan comes back in the next couple weeks, he's got games with Dan and he's got games with the dynasty team. Those teams cannot sleep on him. Like he is a legitimate like playoff breaker at this point. Like he can he can throw a wrench into into teams plans right now. This is not a team that you can overlook. It's a team that's going to end this year I think with a lot of momentum and a lot of hope. We've talked about this several times but a lot of hope for next year. I I see the core more than I've ever seen it before. This team is young, it's fun, it's exciting. It's explosive, and I think he's just about ready. 
Yeah, it's the end of the season, you could be like taking that rollover from Josh of just being that team that's going to rattle everyone's cage and never go down easy. So you just can't overlook them. And I, I also want to shout out something on the defensive side. How about Devin Lloyd, man? Remember that? We talked about Njoku earlier <laughs> in the show. That was like the most under-the-radar trade of all time. Njoku for Lloyd. Lloyd comes back to the team that drafted him. Now suddenly Lloyd is having a pretty nice little sophomore season, in ter- at least in terms of production. I don't know what it looks like, but he's putting up numbers right now. So yeah, the defense hasn't been good, but Lloyd's been fine. It's weird that this defense isn't good because I look at it and it's like Quincy Williams has been a monster. Devin Lloyd's been popping out 10-point games. Kenneth Murray's had sort of a resurgent season. He got hurt this week, so his point totals were a little down. You know, Buda Baker, Richie Grant have been good. And then his edge rushers, Thibodeau and Sweat, like, Thibodeau has a goose egg, but you've seen flashes out of him to be an elite pass rusher. Um, and, and Montez Sweat, obviously, you know, he's been solid. We'll see how he does in the Bears. Like, I can't poke, really poke a hole in this defense, like, the edge rushing production, you want to be obviously a lot better, but I think the talent's there. I think the talent's there at linebacker. I think DB's pretty good. So I really don't know what to even say. I was like, maybe he could be a buyer, but it's like, I don't see a position where it's like, well, you can't be starting that guy. It's like, I guess it just hasn't quite worked out yet. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about that other big five team, the dynasty team. Playing the money makers this week. Now, there's two sides to this story with the Dynasty team right now. Side one, the good side, is that this was the fifth consecutive win for the Dynasty team. He has erased that one and four start that he had. He is now on the plus side of 500 and then some. Six and four right now. That puts him level with the pirate crew in terms of record. The bad side is that the last couple weeks have not exactly been what you would want to see from this team, a team that you expect to be explosive that showed in the middle of the season that it could be explosive with a few 200 plus point games. But this week, one 56 and he survives the money makers here but are we at all concerned with what we've seen from the dynasty team as of late i don't know if you can be concerned about a team that's on a five game winning streak i just it's it's really tough to to say that but you know there's some small issues on this team um obviously you had to start sean watson scumbag this week Britian have a down week. You're not going to see that often. So I think that's sort of a blip on the radar. Uh, Stefan Diggs down week. It was just across the board, kind of like Dan, just down weeks, his, you know, and two is out. So you're, you're missing guys and some guys aren't performing. I'm not super worried right now, but again, every game is kind of life or death for this team right now. So you think you would like to see higher point totals to make sure you can secure a, a spot in the playoffs, especially when tiebreakers are going to be very pivotal uh, at the end. Yeah, I think I agree with Caleb. Like the, 
there's nothing too much to worry about. A lot of guys just had really off weeks. Like if Diggs and ETN just have a normal week, this team's up in the league average and it's, you know, it's not feeling great, but you're fine. Um, one thing to kind of be concerned about is last four weeks, Brees Hall's been an extremely inefficient rusher. And it's really kind of, he's getting some receiving upside, but, you know, that can kind of hem and flow for running backs. Uh, just kind of want to see him get it together and put a uh, positive rushing yards. Yeah, I think Brees has been a frustrating player to have this year, just with the Jets and what's been going on there. I mean, we talked about ETN potentially being an, a web MVP candidate. He's been buoying this Brees-ETN combo. Brees kind of g- comes and goes uh, along the way, but a player that is maybe really concerning at this point, one that I believe as of right now is on the bench heading into week 11 is Calvin Ridley, a player that in week one, (laughs) go all the way back to that point, you say, okay, Calvin Ridley's back. This was a great investment by him. Suddenly now it hasn't been all that great. And he is now, like I said, maybe not even starting for this team. So that might be something to monitor over the last four weeks is can we see production out of these wide receivers that he has invested in that he needs production out of Calvin Ridley at the top of that list? Yeah, I was going to mention him. It's been a weird year. Like you said, he started off hot and then he's really tailed off. He hasn't scored, you know, he's, 4 1 11 3 in his last four games. Obviously, the Jaguars have had their struggles. Um, Trevor Lawrence hasn't been playing that great, but this is a guy who gave up a 24 first for to plug in this lineup and, and complete it with Devontae Smith and Stefan Diggs, and it just hasn't played out this season. So now I think he rightfully sits him on the bench for the time being till he can figure it out. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton, for whatever reason, has kind of stepped up this year. He's currently wide receiver 24, got the start this week, scored a tutty, eight receptions. So at least he's seeing some production out of him so to make this receiving core a little deeper. But that is a concern. And, you know, I look at the defensive side, who had a pretty good week, buoyed by a Kyle Hamilton 26-pointer, pick six right off the bat. Had to feel good. Looks like he's figured out the DB spot. 26 from Hamilton, you know, seven from Adams and 15 from Witherspoon. But now the linebacker room is getting kind of weird. You know, he trades for Aziz Alshair, scores 4.5 points this week, which has to hurt, um, especially when the guy he dropped to Mario Davis, I didn't bring him up in Riley's game, but he's ripped off like three straight weeks of like 15 to 30 points. Like he's been a monster since he's gotten to Riley's team. So you bring... Aziz in, you start him, he scores four, and then you put uh, the Kaiser vaccine, Kaiser White on the bench, who has just sort of been a machine, kind of like an Alex Singleton, just gets good tackles every week, 11, 8, 12, 11, 15. So you put him on the bench, you feel like you have to start Aziz. Jordan Brooks has a three-point week, and now your DB conundrum has turned into a linebacker conundrum. And then also at defensive line, uh, 14 from Greg Rousseau is great. Zayman Collins gets to start only six points. I know on the report card, I think he's at a D or an F for a defensive line production. So I think he's still kind of trying to figure that out. So this defense, you know, it figures out the DBs, but then the linebackers you have questions about. So 
it hasn't bit him quite yet, but I'm wondering if one of these weeks it might catch up to him. I don't know if I'm as concerned about the linebackers as you are. I mean, they're good names. I just, I think... I'm just kind of putzing through the numbers, and it, this week was really the only bad week for the three he had in there. So maybe well, then why just, did he uh, treat, then why did he trade for Aziz El Shair? Hey, you can never have too many linebackers. Who, who yeah, are you yeah, fucking talking, talking to? Talking the papoose here. <laughs> okay, fair. linebackers are great things to have. I think the lineup decisions have haunted this team all year. This is one that we've. Reference earlier, some teams struggling with this. I'm not saying that he's doing anything wrong necessarily. I think it's just a combination of factors here where you, some guys are just, you plug them in, they don't do well, you take them out or you take the other guy out, you put them back in and then it's flip flop. It's like, it's been a nightmare on defense this year. And like you said, I mean, 92 this week. Very good defensive week, but Kyle Hamilton played a huge part in getting him there. So, I mean, it's been a talking point all year. We'll continue to talk about it for the last four weeks, I'm sure, with this defense. But ideally, he can find a consistent lineup that he can just set it and forget it uh, and, and just move forward that way instead of constantly plugging and changing and doing all of that. But... um Let's talk about the moneymakers this week. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to not gonna beat around the bush here. The big story with the moneymakers this week is they're back in the Marvin Harrison Jr. chase. I mean, you lose this week to, to Colin. Well, the men of mystery beat the pirate crew. Suddenly now we're back to two and eight with the men of mystery and the moneymakers. I mean, that really is the defining moment of this week for this team. Uh, and we're going to find out what happens over the last four weeks. I thought you were going to go a different direction. I thought you were going to say that the Devin single carry nickname has finally been retired. <laughs> a career high 30 attempts for Devin Singletary, 150 yards and a touchdown. Um, that was the story of the week for the moneymakers for me. I mean, eh, running backs are broken, man. That's what I'm learning this season. You're talking about fucking Brian Robinson and uh, who? <laughs> who was the other guy? Rashad, Rashad White. White. Wow. Oh, pick, you're Rashad gonna, White. Who? Oh. Rashad who? 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 <laughs> That's the guy you fucking call the, what did you say? I called him a fifth-round like fifth, pick. Fifth-rounder, you fucker. Because he sucks. New nickname Jesus. coming in. Who? Oh. Who? Uh, Kareem Hunt, got... even. Like, a touchdown every week since you picked him up. <laughs> totally sustainable. Yes. It has been for several weeks. <laughs> hey, I have two points for you first, Mingo. Do you want the happy one or the good one? Or the bad one? I Give me the bad one. Uh, boy, am I glad you didn't trade me a uh, pace. Why? I have okay. Pace stinks. No, 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 no. Oh, whoa, bad whoa, time whoa. to say that. Tim's bad time. Whoa. No, 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 no. We're not going to do it. Inform me. Jordan Hicks just got hurt, and Ivan Pace had his highest snap share of the year. It, 
think Jordan Hicks might be out of the year, so I think Ivan's the guy now. Oh, there's two. There's two heads to this. Okay, there's two okay. heads to this. There's two heads. Number one, what Caleb just said. Ivan yep. Pace is starting for this team this year. Number two, or this week. Number two, Ivan Pace is having a good year. Just go get into some Vikings Twitter <laughs> and find out if they like Ivan Pace or not. Because I got several Vikings Twitter guys that are like, Ivan Pace is a dude, and he's going to be a dude here for a while. So that's what I'm going to say about Ivan. I will uh, you. Uh, I'm sorry. You have good news for me. I do have good news. <laughs> I love getting torn down. This is so fun. <laughs> I'm gonna come I don't, over. Maybe there I don't want to ask you, you the good news. Hey, hey. How's Trey McBride feel? Mm. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's uh, the actual story of the week. <laughs> it is. No, it is. It really is. Uh, there was a 20 minute period of time on Sunday where I just was sitting there like getting emotional about the journey of Trey McBride, because what a fun player, Colorado state. I mean, and we literally said this last week, this is a normal tight end journey. Okay. Three years to see this happening after like, you got to kind of rewind time a little bit and be like, man, I really, really liked this player three years ago and to sit here and wait and wait and wait. And there's a Kyle Pitts trade in the middle of all of that waiting. And then to see Trey McBride become that player that you wanted him to be. It was a really special feeling for me. And I mean, he is going to be starting for this team moving forward. There's some breaking news. I mean, Kyle Pitts is, he's going to the bench, man. Trey McBride. That's part of this. You know, you have your whole cleansing of the team, bringing in Stroud. Now you've got maybe your guy at tight end and McBride. Do try to cleanse this team a little more and move Pitts. Pitts ain't going anywhere. Coward. Uh, <laughs> we have Rick full Brimble. we have full faith in Kyle Pitts to figure it out. But while he's doing that, we'll have Trey McBride ready to rock and roll in the tight end spot. So it was a it was a really fun week, and to see that and Kyler comes back, like you said earlier in the show, Caleb. Not a huge fantasy day, but he looked like the Kyler of old in many ways. So. We're we're just trying to turn the vibes around right now for the money makers. That's what we're trying to do. And some more good news: you had season high snap shares for Marvin Mims, sixty nine percent, and Cedric Tillman, eighty five percent. One of them caught a pass, right? They they at least okay. they caught a pass, right? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> A, a cool it. negative point. <laughs> I saw Cedric Tillman get a red zone target. I saw that happen. At least David Bell would like catch a pass every once in a while when he was on All the right. field. I'm done. We're moving on. <laughs> Fuck this. Dirty That's Dave and the game. boys. David Wilson, Batman. Last game of the week. Um. All right. So here's the deal. With dirt, with Dirty Dave right now. We've talked about a lot of teams, playoff race, all of this stuff. Dirty Dave wins this week. 
against David Wilson Batman. No surprise. Even puts up a pretty healthy point total this week, even. If the season ended right now, Dirty Dave and the boys would not be in the playoffs. So it is a good week in the sense that we got the job done. We got a win. We got to keep getting those. But he is currently chasing some teams right now, and uh, it's going to be an adventurous final four weeks for him. Feels like there's a little, maybe a little soul searching going on right now, too. I saw a tweet from Dave, you know, like how much he cares about his team and planning things out. You see Terry McLaurin go on the block. Uh, I had some conversations about a running back on this team. So it's, uh, I mean, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle. He's six and four, you know, obviously a good record, but he's the number seven seed. He doesn't quite have the scoring tiebreakers on other teams. Um, so he, every week is huge for him. I think this offense is still really good. I think the Russell Wilson acquisition kind of paid off, you know, obviously, like I said, he's not going to have huge upside, but 22 a week, you're going to live with that out of this quarterback room when you have Kamara, Eckler, McCaffrey, and, and a fun receiving core. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a grind and it's tough, you know, trade deadlines this week. I mean, I'd say if you lose next week and you're at six and five he might be sort of in sell mode but there's no sell mode after the trade deadline so every week is huge for this team going forward yeah my one take was because you know kamara kamara eckler eckler um that fucking bum mccaffrey couldn't set a record dude well i wonder how dave felt about that they were up by like what 35 40 and mccaffrey's getting carries with like three minutes to go, like they went run, run, run past McCaffrey. What if he got hurt? <laughs> oh man, that that, that never. Issues. That's what happened with Cooper Cup in that one game. The the Rams were down by a ton. They weren't coming back, and then Cup ended right. up getting hurt. So, I if I would have been Dave, I would have been just like sweating that one out. Like I wouldn't have even one of the points. Like why are you still on the field? <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be. You said it perfectly, Caleb. He can't, he can't sell. I mean, this is a team that can make the playoffs. He's got the firepower to do that. He should try to make the playoffs, but we're like one or two weeks away from being like, well, it's over, you know, like he's in a very precarious position right and now. This schedule I should bring up like yeah. one game away. He plays Riley this week me the week after tim the week after and riley to finish the year there's no there's no let up it's the welcome to the pack five man it's the goal that's what i'm saying so i know he has given a lot of thought to the future and how to go about things this year there's no scenario in which he can not keep his foot on the gas pedal right now. Like we've said this a lot, this era of, of dirty Dave needs to end with a championship. I mean, that is what, that is what this has all been about. This is his last real effort at getting that championship. He's got to keep the foot on the gas pedal, but there also is an understanding here where if it doesn't go right, 
it's going to be a weird time. And so it's weird to talk this way coming out of a, of a, of a week where he wins and everything looks fine, but that is the nature of where we sit right now with this team and in the pack five. The good news that I want to shout out here is that right now, as of this week, the defense is 11th ranked in web, not 12th, 11th. He has officially climbed above the last. Hey, that's a victory, man. That is a victory. The last several weeks, he has been scoring (laughs) league average. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna he's be got so himself happy to eleven. Like, I mean, we talk about the, when you have this offense. Really, all you need is an average defense. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm living proof of that. What? You okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> we get it. Michael um, Parsons. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, like every week is huge and. You know, last year we talked about that run. It was like, oh, is this the last one? And now, and now this year is kind of like, oh, is this the last dance? Like, I don't know if it actually is, but like, like we talked about with Josh last week, like that game was maybe going to decide this team's fate for the next few years. You could see the end of this season. Like, he's not going to have a choice. He's not going to be able to sell like after this week. But like, whatever happens after this year, I don't know if we'll we'll ever see the same dirty Dave and the boys. Right. I don't think I mean I don't think there's a chance Dave puts up any kind of white flag, but it's just a weird crappy position to be in. Let me say this. Playoffs or no playoffs, I do think that when this season ends, it's over. Yeah. It, it it's a, it's he starts selling. Like it's going to happen. Like and that's why this doesn't matter as much because no matter what happens, it's happening either way. So you either get into the playoffs, give it one last shot, or you don't, and then you just sell after the season anyway. And I think that's what we're in store for because he understands what's going on. I mean, the proof is in the pudding here. This has not been the same season for him. There are changes that are coming for this team if he is serious about the longevity of it, and I know that he is. So it's going to happen either way. We're just going to have to hope that he can figure it out for four weeks, get himself back into the playoffs, give it one last shot. That was so rational. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. That was impressive. Let's talk about David Wilson, Batman. We missed this last week. Uh, This is the fifth consecutive loss for David Wilson, Batman. Four was a record. Wow. Holy this shit. Is, that was the first time in 11 years that wow. David Wilson Batman wow. had lost four consecutive games. This now puts him at number five. All following a week high. He has week high in week five and has rattled off all five losses since. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I completely <laughs> forgot that that happened. <laughs> I just, I just happened to look over and see that. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, that is what he, he wove the white flag and it's basically what's happened. Um, this is turning into one of those teams where you're just trying to find silver linings to the end of the season. 
the huge news, Bijan, 22 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. That's without even really get much work in the passing game. So 75% of the snaps is huge. Um, unfortunately, that takes kind of away from his flex play, Tyler Ogier, who's been kind of carrying that spot all year. But <laughs> I don't think he cares. <laughs> yeah, you got to feel good about seeing Bijan touch the football a lot, especially after all the bullshit. And a win-win. 22 carries for Bijan and the Falcons lost. So, hey. I mean, it's just, you can't get any better than that. Um, I, the other player I want to shout out here, Jaden Reed. Yeah. We talk about Josh Downs being a nice little second-round wide receiver hit. Maybe Jaden Reed right alongside of him there. Maybe you just got to trade down from the first and and take these guys because, yeah, five receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown for Reed on just 51% snaps. So, like, he's on the field half the time, and he's turning into one of Love's favorite targets. So that's good to see. But we do have to bring up uh, a Packer receiver on the flip side of that. Who's There's been a lot of discourse about this guy. Christian Watson, uh, literally Randy Moss in the nickname. Obviously, last year was was awesome. We saw flashes. You know, he's a little dinged up, but you liked what you saw. And through this season with Jordan Love, you know, he's he's on the field a ton, but it's just not working out right now. Yeah, he's definitely being affected by. I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't watched a ton of Packers. Could Jordan Love throw the ball downfield? Is Christian Watson open when he's throwing the ball downfield? He's not a great deep ball thrower. And is that negatively affecting Christian Watson? Yes, but there's been less. I don't know. I think it's both. Yeah. I'm a a chronic red zone watcher, so I'm pretty hands off. I I don't want to. Maybe I do. We're we're pretty late into the pod. I'm like six bush lights in. I think Christian Watson was a prime sell high after last year. (laughs) Never thought he was that great. Thought he got a lot of the benefit of some really good touchdown luck last year. I think this, I'm not going to say that this was a predictable outcome, but I do think that it's not shocking that he didn't take a step forward and become a premier wide receiver in the NFL this year. I mean, the efficiency was just unsustainable. He had three touchdown game, a two touchdown game. Like when you look at his career as a whole so far, his career high for catches in a game is six. Second is obviously five. Like these have only happened once. He had one game with six catches, one game with five catches. The rest are four or less. Like, and that's not going to get you to a starter level fantasy receiver. And you look at this season, he hasn't had a game with more than three catches. Like Davis. Gabe Davis has had way more catches than that. Like, but at least Gabe Davis has those games where he has like five or six catches. We haven't seen that out of Watson at all. And when you pair up with a quarterback who doesn't have a great deep ball and it doesn't seem like he's, Watson has been like he hasn't been targeted on those plays where he'd get all the yak and run down the sideline. Like those plays aren't happening. He's not attacking the football in the end zone, which has been a big hot topic. Like he he's a six four receiver that doesn't go up and make those plays. So 
now all of a sudden the MVS comparisons are coming back. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I hate to say this, but it's who he always was. He, he always was that player. Doesn't contested catch well. He doesn't really make guys miss. He's just super fast in a straight line. If you can get him good speed, like he'll make those plays. But yeah, it's I don't want to write it off, but it's what it feels like. The good news here, like this is a we're doing the Christian Watson funeral, like we like to do here with some players. The good news is, I mean, we talked about this team's struggles with, you know, some of the first round wide receiver picks that it's made. Josh Downs, Jaden Reed, I mean, these are guys that can step in and he has another pick coming in here to pair with Jamar Chase. I mean, he does I I don't want this to seem like Christian Watson was a make or break player for this franchise cuz I don't believe that that's true. I would just feel much less confident moving forward in the player than maybe what you thought coming into the season. That's that's the point here. Nothing like ending the slate on some <laughs> good news, guys. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> All right. That is week 10. Uh, very interesting week of web. Very crazy. Sets up an insane playoff race in the last it's, four weeks. It's crazy because it wasn't even looking at the slate this week. We're all like, yeah. oh, it's kind of like it's Riley Tim. And then it's like chalk everywhere else. But yep. Webb has a way of still making even the most bland weeks interesting. That's exactly it, man. And I got to tell you, week 11, it's fucking nuts again. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's time for the lightning round. And man, this is going to be the closer we get to 14, the more impactful, obviously, these games get. And I think there are some games this week that could legitimately define seasons i'm just gonna say that uh we will start with uh the rebel alliance and david wilson batman two teams that are not factoring into the playoff race necessarily uh but some implications here in terms of draft order for sure both for david wilson batman unfortunately because he has both of these picks but anyway Uh, We have David Wilson, Batman, favored in this matchup by six points. Hmm. I think think this one's kind of a toss-up. Josh gets his running backs this week. That was also sort of lost in last week. Swift and Pacheco are on the bye. So I think he gets them back. Um, Lamar against the Bengals, maybe. I'm going to take Josh to to cover. Actually, yeah, that Thursday night game is going to have huge implications. Lamar versus Burrow. Yeah, I'm going to take Josh to cover that one, too. It's just the uh, combination of Burrow and Chase playing a tough defense might make things weird for him this week. I think we're going to see some trades in the next couple days from the oh. Rebel Alliance that make this a little bit uh, more of a decisive advantage for David Wilson knows. Batman. The book always, always knows, knows, man. We're going to take David Wilson Batman. All right. How about the money makers and the juicers? Suddenly this becomes an interesting game because the money makers sneak one out here and suddenly that Marvin race is over once again. Uh, we have the juicers favored this week by nine points. 
Um, I'm gonna take the juicers. I think this running back group is starting to kick in. Is Achan uh, back this week? Is this his? I don't think he's practice, coming back. Practice window open. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even so, Cook's kind of been cooking. Gibbs is looking better. Goff against the Bears. Also, C.J. Stroud debut. So, it's gonna be an interesting matchup. But I, I'm gonna take the juicers. Yeah, I'm gonna take the juicers to cover. I just. I just think this team has more juice than money. <laughs> I'll take the juicers to cover as well. All right, let's get into it. Um, this well, okay, this There's is a, one th- more. Th- th- one th- but, but this is a weird one though, yeah. because the men of mystery just knocked off the pirate crew. Don't sleep on them. They just scored two hundred points. But they are facing off with the hottest team in web right now, the legendary milkers. And uh, we are going to heavily credit the milkers performance lately. And we're going to kind of slide that 200 points to the side from the men of mystery. This is a 42 point line cool. for the for the milkers. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, looks like we got JT by week and maybe... Yeah, JT bye week. We don't know if Jefferson's back yet. Um, man, no. I see Gallup in the flex, Curtis Samuel and Ro- Romeo Dobbs in the starting lineup. Maybe, yeah, you know, I'm going to go Meta Mystery to cover. Maybe they can at least remain in that, that point threshold against some, some not as good starting lineup for the Milkers as usual. Nah, no chance. Uh, Lightning <laughs> doesn't strike twice, and that team's probably going to trade off pieces this week. So, Calvin, easy. I picked the Men of Mystery to cover last week against the oh, Pirate Crew, and I'm going to pick them to cover again. Hey. All right, here we go, baby. We got three games. Massive, Jeez. massive games. The first is... The Keel Pros coming off of a week high, one of the best performances that we've ever seen in web. Matching up with the Insulin Pens. A matchup of teams right now, the Pens 8 and 2, the Keel Pros 7 and 3. We have the Pens favored by 16 points. Um... I hmm, I have to pick myself, obviously, coming off last week. This is a really big matchup, obviously. The one thing I'm concerned with is Josh Allen versus the Jets. Uh, that first game of the season against the Jets did not go well. He's coming off a rough performance against the Bills. I think that's going to tell the story in this game. If he can figure it out against the Jets, if not, it might be tough sledding. I have to pick myself, right? I can't, <laughs> can't bet against me. That's dumb. Um, no, I think Micah, I don't, I think he's trash, but no, I don't think he's trash. He'll bounce back. It'll level out. I'll pick myself. I'm going to pick the Kiel Pros to cover. Let's make this a very close, very fun matchup. Uh, I'll take the pens to win. Kiel Pros keep it close. The last two games, we have one in oh, each one, conference. One thing with my game, I just realized uh, I won't be able to watch like half the slate. 
Oh no. Why? Plans were made by someone. Okay, well, that will just spare us all from the do something memes, yeah. I guess. When oh, the... No, it's going to be a, a funnel of it's, memes coming in at three or it, something. It might be, it might be worse. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. One game from each conference remaining. Both of them are pickums. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to start in the big five. It is the dynasty team on a five game winning streak though we talked about maybe some performance woes with this team lately facing off with the pirate crew who are on a three game losing streak and the same could maybe be said after a loss to the men of mystery who do you have in this huge big five matchup yes yeah, is crazy one team trending in a downward direction, one team trending in an upward uh, trajectory, but I'm going to pick Dan. I just don't think this guy can have two bad weeks in a row. I think he's due for a big one. You got Mahomes Monday night against the Eagles. So this, I think this game's going to come down to Monday night. I think Mahomes comes through for the Pirate crew. Yeah, I, I picked Dan, too. He gets Tyreek back. Um, that's always... Just gonna elevate his lineup for him. Mahomes um, prime time Monday night. Uh, I think it's gonna be a close one, but I think Dan's got it. Yeah, we're gonna go Pyro Crew here. Um, I mean, I will say, man, that Monday night game, Mahomes versus Devonte Smith, it's Ooh. gonna be fun. And this is the one and only matchup between these teams this season. So we are not going to see this again. This will be a huge game for both of these teams. I'll take the Pyro Crew. Defensive advantage wins here. The Pack 5 Whew. Mentioned Herbier Enthusiasm is going to be playing in some really big games for the rest of this season. This game in particular could just define both of these team seasons <laughs> this is this is crazy <laughs> herb your enthusiasm facing off with dirty dave and the boys both of these teams right now sit at six and four you get to five losses becomes an uphill battle with three games to play who do you have yeah, this is a nuts game. There's so much on the line. Uh, same record. Projections are basically even right now. Um, man, I, I think, I think this is impossible to pick. I think I'm gonna go with Dave. I think the firepower on offense right now gets his receivers back. AJ Brown, Cooper Cup. The three. Oh wait, uh, who's on by? Kamara's on by. Shit, ah, man. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Dave. Just, I don't think his story's quite over yet. I'm also gonna pick Dave. When the two teams playing each other are uh, one's offensive-minded, one's defensive-minded, I'm just gonna lean the team that's got the more explosive offense to paint the picture 
Herb Your Enthusiasm is averaging 186.2 per game this season. Dirty Dave and the Boys, 182.9. Herb Your Enthusiasm has shown through 10 weeks that he is the better team in this matchup. But there is magic. <laughs> there is magic in Webb. And Dirty Dave needs this win more than he's ever needed a win in his team's history outside the playoffs. We're going to pick Dirty Dave to get the job done this week. And that is week 11. Holy moly. Going through that slate, you just know the magnitude of these games. And with the big five spicing up with Dan and Colin getting to even terms, um, yeah, two six and four matchups in a seven-team playoff race like this. This is crazy. <laughs> There's awesome. so much on the line. Sick. Trade deadline is happening. This game, this week of games is happening. Like this is going to tell the tale of this season. This week, I mean, it it won't end the season for any teams, but it will become much clearer. I think heading into the final three weeks of the year, which teams can feel good about securing those playoff spots come post week 14. So get- and it makes me think this trade deadline is just at the perfect time. And it's why I love the trade deadline because it raises the stakes <laughs> even higher. If it's a it's week true. later, like one of these two of these teams go to six and five, it's kind of like, well, I can maybe piece some of these guys out and hope it gets better. No, your life is on the line this week. You're stuck with those guys after Thursday night. And if it doesn't work out, you're in an even worse way or feeling even way better. So it just creates that much more tension and importance in these matchups. It's a beautiful week. It is, man. It's why the trade deadline needs to forever exist. It's this pinnacle moment of the season. Teams have to decide who am I, (laughs) what do I want to be? That is what teams will be asking themselves for the next 36 hours. So get ready, Webb. The story of 2023 might just be told in week 11, and we'll find out. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Until that point, let's make it a great week.